G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. People will post something nowadays that's posted on Facebook or on a blog site or whatever, and here is this thing, this statement, this accusation. Is it true? We have no idea, but there it is. Someone defined gossip as news you have to hurry to tell somebody before you find out it isn't true. None of us likes to be maligned, but today, Pastor Greg Laurie says, just focus on staying aligned with the Lord. Take care of your character, and God will take care of your reputation. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins It's a well-known basketball coach by the name of John Wooden who said, Be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. Today in A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie shows us how to forge a good, strong character, a moral fortitude based on our relationship with God. We'll follow in the footsteps of a spiritual forefather who faced great opposition, but he had the character to stand strong. at the book of Nehemiah in this series that we're calling The Rebuilt Life. And we're looking at how the people of Israel returned from their captivity in Babylon and built up the walls of Jerusalem that were lying in charred rubble. Here in chapter six, the task is finally finished. You see, God had a work he wanted to do and he found a leader in Nehemiah. And it's been done in 52 days. How did he do it? Simple answer. He kept his eye on the ball. He kept his eye on the ball. In the first five chapters of Nehemiah, we find opposition uh, directed toward the people. But now in chapter six, it's getting personal. The opposition is directed specifically toward Nehemiah himself. Let's look at our text now. It's Nehemiah six. We're gonna read two verses. And that brings me to my first point before we read. Point number one, if you're taking notes, don't get sidetracked, stay focused. Again, don't get sidetracked, stay focused. Nehemiah 6, verse 1. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and no gaps remained though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. We'll stop there. So the job's almost done, but not quite. The doors have not yet been hung. Man, if you don't have the doors hung, I don't care about how beautiful your walls are. person can walk right in, right? Get those doors hung. Well, you have sort of a door in your life. And if you leave that door open, bad things can come in. You need to start by guarding your mind. 
You are the air traffic controller of your mind. You decide what plane's gonna land, right? You decide what thought is gonna take residence in your mind because all kinds of thoughts come to us all of the time. Often they're horrible thoughts, bad thoughts, good thoughts, uh, wonderful thoughts. So you decide this is coming in, that isn't coming in. That's why we're told over in 2 Corinthians 10, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Because here's the thing, if you give the devil an inch, he will take a mile. So you have to guard these things. Keep that gate shut. So these enemies of Nehemiah say they just wanted to meet with him in the Valley of Ono. Come down to the Valley of Ono. Listen, you need to say no to Ono. Otherwise you're gonna be saying, oh no. You know, the devil is not stupid. He's wicked, he's depraved, he's evil, but he ain't dumb, okay? And he knows if he comes to you with this game plan up front, most people would never go for it. He's not gonna come up to some guy or girl and say, hey you happily married person, I'm thinking I'd like to just wreck your life and I would like to destroy your marriage. So how about if you commit adultery and betray your spouse and then, you know, you'll get a divorce. It'll be really messy. And then your children will be estranged from you, lose their respect, maybe for the rest of your life, and destroy your Christian testimony. Uh, I'm thinking we should do this together. What do you say? There might be some moron out there like, okay, you know. <laughs> Generally, we would say no to that, hopefully. So the devil instead comes and says, hey, come on down to the plane of Ono. Let's just talk a little bit. Uh, check this out. Check out a little porn. It won't hurt you. Besides, everybody watches it. It's okay. Just, just check it out. Hey, have this little flirtatious conversation with a member of the opposite sex. It'll be fun. He'll get you to sort of take a little free sample. Just, just, you know, just a sample. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to go for it. And we try these things out. The devil isn't gonna come to you and say, why don't you become a drug addict? It is so cool. Why don't you become an alcoholic and ruin your life completely? Maybe you can lose your career, again, lose your family. Come on, no, he won't do that. He'll say, oh, come on, you know, chill a little bit. You're so rigid, I'll go have a drink. I know you've had problems with alcohol in the past, but you can handle it, go for it. Come down to the plane of Ono, come on, man. You know, go ahead and try this drug this one time. It's medicinal marijuana. And you've been kind of depressed lately, so go ahead and try it. It's an edible. It's all right, you see. And then, well, maybe I'll just try it one time. I'll try this. Well, you know, I'm not getting as much of a buzz off that as I used to. I'll try this other thing. And one thing leads to another. So this is the devil's strategy. Come on, just take a taste, just take a look, give it a go, come down to the plane of Ono and let's talk together. Listen, don't have any conversations with the devil. Don't have any communication with Satan. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Nehemiah says, I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down from this wall. I'm not gonna hang out with you guys. I'm not gonna talk with you guys. I'm busy. Okay, so Sambalot and the gang set a trap for Nehemiah. Look at verse two. They sent a message, just meet us. But he realized they're plotting to harm me. Listen, it's not always sinful things that break our focus. Sometimes it's choosing the urgent over the important. 
Choosing the good over what's best. Choosing the short term over the long term. So be careful. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. He's presenting a message from Nehemiah chapter 6 today called Don't Give Up. Now his first point was very important. Don't get sidetracked, but stay focused. Let's continue. Point number two, Satan hits hardest at the beginning and the end. Let me say that again. Satan hits us hardest at the beginning and the end. So there was great opposition when they started to build the wall and now there's great opposition when the wall is finished and they're getting ready to hang the doors. Uh, This happened to Jesus. He faced heavy opposition in the beginning and at the end of his ministry. Remember in the beginning, after he's baptized by his cousin John and the Holy Spirit comes upon him, And the Father says from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We read, immediately he went into the desert to be tested and tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Immediately. And actually one of those temptations from Satan was a way for Jesus to skip the cross. Satan showed Christ all the kingdoms of the world and he said, guess what? All this belongs to me and I can give it to whomever I will and I'll give it to you right now. You can have it, Jesus, if you'll worship me. You say, well, why would that have been even tempting? Because Jesus came to buy back that which was lost in the Garden of Eden. After our first parents ate of the forbidden fruit, Satan became the god of this world, according to Scripture, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. The devil is saying, this is my stuff, and you know it's my stuff. And you know, if it wasn't true, Jesus would have said, no, it isn't. It actually was Satan's. He says, I'll give it to you. Here's the deal I'm making you, Jesus. I'll make you an offer you cannot refuse. (laughs) You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to be crucified. You don't have to bear the sin of the world. I'll give it to you. Just worship me. It's all I'm asking. Jesus says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord God and Him only shall you serve. So it came hard at the beginning. Fast forward, the end of the ministry of our Lord on earth. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's sweating blood. Dr. Luke says, he sweat as it were great drops of blood. He was under intense pressure. The devil was opposing him, trying to stop him from completing his mission. And it's true in our life. Often the devil hits us hardest at the beginning and end. When you first come to Christ, oh no, you became a Christian. He wants to pull you back down. Remember in the parable of the sower, Jesus talked about the sower that threw the seed out and went on the roadside. The birds ate it, swooped down quickly. Sort of like when you go to McDonald's and then out burger, wherever. And the birds are just waiting. You know, they're waiting, waiting. And sometimes they'll wait for the food to hit the ground. Sometimes they'll take it. If you look away, this happens. They get very aggressive, these little birds. And that's the idea that it's, Jesus said, these are they that hear the word of God, but Satan comes immediately to snatch away what was in their heart. You remember what it was like when you first became a Christian. Some of you are new Christians. And you're freaking out. Because you're thinking, why am I getting tempted all the time? Why is this all this crazy stuff coming at me? Why are my old friends calling me up wanting to party? Why, why, why is this other thing happening? What's going on? The devil's trying to pull you down because you've just started the most amazing journey you'll ever be on in life, following Christ. 
But then fast forward now. You're coming maybe toward the end of your journey. Maybe you're getting a bit older and the devil says, I want to get you now. Because if I get you now, I can discredit you for all those years you did good for God's glory. And so you don't want that to happen to you. He hits you at the beginning and the end. He's persistent. Look at verse four. Four times they sent the same message and each time I gave the same reply. These guys are relentless. They were blowing his phone up. You know, constantly text, 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 email, 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 phone call, phone call, right? You know, there's certain people that they call you and they won't stop calling you until you call them back. You know what I'm talking about? Call, 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 FaceTime call, call, call. <sighs> you don't want to talk to them because they're one hour people. You know what I'm talking about? Minimum. No matter what you're talking about, it's going to be an hour out of your life. <sighs> but I have to call them back so they'll stop calling me. That's what was happening. His phone's blowing up. Well, of course, he didn't have a phone. You get what I'm saying? He says in verse three, I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Point number three, if you're taking notes, take care of your character and God will take care of your reputation. Take care of your character, your personal integrity. And God will take care of your reputation. Now Sanballat challenges the personal motives of Nehemiah. Verse five, the fifth time Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand. And this is what it said. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations and Geshem tells me it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel and that's why you're building the wall according to the reports. You plan to be their king. He also reports you've appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you, look, there's a king in Judah. You can be very sure this report will get back to the king. So I suggest you come and talk it over with me. Well, in there, it's interesting, another trick and diversion to get Nehemiah off the wall so they could attack. And this time, it's slander. It's an open letter. <laughs> Notice, it's an anonymous letter. We don't know who the author is. Oh, but people will post something nowadays. It's posted on Facebook or on a blog site or whatever. And here is this thing, this statement, this accusation. Is it true? We have no idea, but there it is. You know, and, and we love to spread stuff like that. Someone defined gossip as news you have to hurry to tell somebody before you find out it isn't true. You know, gossip, according to Proverbs, is like a tasty little morsel. Or like those little appetizers you might be given at a party, served to you on a little tray. Oh, that's so delicious. Can I have one more? That's a gossip. It's like, ooh, this is juicy, right? Now here's the interesting thing. Don't miss this. They were accusing Nehemiah of the very thing they were guilty of. Nehemiah wasn't trying to be the king. He was serving the king. To the point, Nehemiah had been underwritten in this project by the king. He was a close friend and confidant of the king. And the king even sent a bodyguard to protect him. So he was good with the king. But they're saying, oh no, you want to be the king. This is all about you. You're on some kind of an ego trip. They were in effect projecting their sin on Nehemiah. And this is exactly what Jesus was talking about when he spoke of the speck and the beam in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7 he says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but not consider the beam or the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, oh, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, there's a plank in your own eye. Let me update that. How can you get the sawdust out of your brother's eye when you have a telephone pole in your eye? That's what Jesus is saying. Now this is really interesting because the word that he uses for speck and for beam or for plank are of the same substance. Meaning that Jesus is saying the reason some people are so adept at finding fault in others is because they're so familiar with it themselves. Let me say that again. The reason some people are so adept at quickly finding fault in others is because they are so familiar with it themselves. See, so here's the thing. This was their issue and they were trying to make it Nehemiah's issue. Oh listen, we do this too. You know, you follow someone on Instagram and you go, look at this post. Look at this image. Why would they post this? This is so wrong. Why do you follow them? So I can ju ju monitor them. No, so you can pass judgment on them each and every day. Well, maybe this is your problem. Well, this is so egotistical. They're so prideful. Maybe they're insecure and that's why they do it and you're the prideful one. See, a lot of times I'm quick to point it out in your life, am I guilty of far worse in my own life? You know, sometimes we'll see someone steps out to maybe be used by the Lord and we'll say, they're so arrogant. Sometimes we confuse boldness with arrogance. Well, they want to be the center of attention. Well, wait. How do you know? Are you God? Can you see a human heart now? Because you cannot judge the motive of another person. Yes, you can judge their actions, even to the point you should make evaluations about actions, but you can't judge the heart, and that is exactly what Jesus meant when he said, judge not lest you be judged, or a better translation, condemn not lest you be condemned. Stop judging the motives of others and just take a long look at yourself. Make sure you're not doing it. The very thing they were accusing Nehemiah of doing, they were personally guilty of. Some very practical insight coming from our study in Nehemiah today from Pastor Greg Laurie and a message called Don't Give Up. And tomorrow, Pastor Greg will continue with some more great encouragement about persistence and dedication to the task, even in the face of opposition. Make sure you join us again, same time tomorrow, right here on A New Beginning. Now for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Don't Give Up. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.